Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan, joined by Brandon Piller today, and it's day four without Ottawa Senators hockey, and that sucks, but it's our first show since the Sens actually finished a crucial 0-2 stretch through Southern California, pushing the team's lottery odds to the best it's been all season. Second, and of course, San Jose with four straight losses, falling to that third spot when the NHL paused the season following Wednesday's game. So instead of a typical show, today we're going to dive into some nostalgia. What are some of the best games the Sens have ever played? Brandon and I will go through a fun list, and we actually got some great contributions from alumni on Twitter. Surprisingly, you can actually find a few of these broadcasts of the ones we discuss online, which is fun, and then we'll rank the best pure goal scorers in team history. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Sunday, March 15th. It's an episode I don't think either of us ever thought we'd have to do. The NHL is on pause due to the coronavirus outbreak. And Brandon, What's it been like? It's been five days since the Ottawa Senators played a game. I don't even know where to start here, Ross. Like, this just all uh, escalated so quickly. I mean, we had a podcast ready to go uh, a couple days ago discussing uh, the Sens California road trip, Belleville losing to Laval, uh, to, you know, Tankathon. We were ready to keep rolling on here, and then boom, everything's on pause. The world is, it's cancel season 2020, but. You know, we're dealing with this, and uh, it's been a while for me to wrap my head around this, but I'm finally ready to get back into podcasting. We'll figure out some stuff to keep this fun, because although there is no hockey playing, there are a plethora of nostalgic sense moments that we can get to throughout their history, so uh, we're going to keep you guys going with some of that. Yeah, including games you can throw back and watch. We've got a great thread on Twitter. You can obviously find us there at Send Central, where we asked what game, if you could only watch one, would you watch over and over and over, and it'll never get old. We tagged some Sens alumni, got some um, interesting, well, maybe predictable. We'll get into what all of them said uh, coming up a bit later in the show, but we can't move on just yet because just as the Sens were playing kind of perfect hockey when, when the... Uh, the cancellation happened two games where they well maybe outside of the Anaheim game but I'm thinking the other two games on the California trip where they beat San Jose in overtime and then they played and well enough to win dominated on the shot clock against Los Angeles but didn't get any points and LA actually jumped San Jose in the standing so it was a perfect trip and guys were starting to play better yeah, Ross, I would even argue they played well enough to win against the Ducks, too. I mean, what was the shot total? It was like 42 to 15, I think. So, like, all those games are competitive games. And even though these three teams are not what they used to be, like, let's say, not even that long ago, three years ago, these were all powerhouse teams in the West. They're still tough guys with guys like Getzlov, Doughty, um, the Jakob Silverberg had a hell of a game against the Sens. You know, like there's still guys that can put up uh, points and that are tough guys to play against. And the Sens, like we said, they played well enough to win all those games and they did beat the Sharks, which was a great game, especially Chris Tierney getting the winner. You gotta love that. Yeah, we always joke about revenge games, but it's awesome when it does happen as well, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so the Senators, uh, I mean, it's going to be a while until we get to see Sens hockey again. So I mentioned we tweeted out, what Sens game would you rewatch over and over? I'll ask you first, Pilsy, which one would you pick? Well, I'm taking us back to 2007, Ross. February 22nd, Sens versus Sabres. I think you might know where I'm going with this one, eh? Yep, in Buffalo. Oh, and yeah. Chris Neal's just playing hard. Yeah, that was... I don't know. That's kind of the classic situation where Chris Neal is towing the line very carefully between questionable hits and uh, what was allowed at that time. But he nailed Chris Jury. You could argue as a blindside, but you could also argue that Jury was kind of admiring that pass a little too long. He was really watching that puck leave and wasn't paying attention to who's on the ice. And when number 25 from Flesherton, Ontario is on the ice, you definitely got to keep your head up. So... That starts it. I mean, Drury, he was uh, he was shaken up. He was bleeding. Like it oh, was a, yeah. It was a big scene. Yeah, he Neil really caught him in a bad spot there. So obviously Neil gets into a fight right after, and you think, okay, that's kind of settled. Not you know what? We, you know what we have to add as well as uh, just a side note. Chris Neal never suspended in his NHL career, including on this play. Which is pretty crazy when you consider, like I said, he was a guy who towed that line. He was For over often, a thousand games. Yeah, he was on the other side of uh, what was allowed and what wasn't allowed uh, very often, kind of going back and forth there. But that's what gave him his edge, and it made guys, uh, unlike Drury here, keep their head up when they're on the ice with him. But So right after that, what does Lindy Ruff do? He puts his goon line out. Brian Murray obviously didn't have the same sort of thinking because he puts out Spezza. Heatley and Comrie, and the, the goons just go full attack on them. Luckily, yeah, who was it? It was definitely Andrew Peters, definitely Patrick Coletta, that greasy yep. rat. And then I th- I want to say Paul Gostad, maybe, was the third guy out there. It was one of their big centermen, had to be Adam Mayer. You, Adam you might Mayer. Not, uh, yeah, he Still was the big, other guy out there. Guy. But luckily for the Sens, uh, the they had Rick the, was out there. Yeah, they had Big Rig and Volchenkov. How cool is it that Phillips was in that one and the one against Montreal, which is another game we'll get to soon? Oh, well, when you're the leader in games played for a franchise, you're bound to be in uh, a handful of their greatest moments, that's for sure. But the penalty minutes got out of control here, and it was kind of just the goons beating it. Like, Spezza took a good punch to the face and uh, kind of got dogpiled. So they were they were having a tough time until... The sixth man in the equation got into this. I'm talking about Ray Emery Razor meets Marty Baron out near center ice. And I think other than, uh, was it Hurdle or Meyer who effectively ended Marty Baron's career with the between the Hurdle. legs? Yeah, I think between that and this moment, that might have been, uh, sorry to do this to you, Marty, but those are some pretty rough moments that you probably want back. I don't know if you could have paid me enough money to meet Ray Emery out in center ice uh, as a goalie, especially because he took care of him pretty quickly, brought him to the ice. And then when you think that's over, Peters, as he's getting escorted to the penalty box, decides to take a swing at Razor, and they get going. And the best part about all of this is the whole time Ray Emery is just having the time of his life out there, just smiling, and he's gassed by the end of it too. But, Ross, the penalty minutes were ridiculous. You got five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, two minutes, two minutes, ten minutes, five minutes, ten minutes. Like, I think there was over a 100 penalty minutes passed out right there it took the refs like 20 minutes just to get it all sorted out so I think for me that's 
that's the game that sticks out to me because the the Senators lost that game in the shootout, but I don't think anyone cares or remembers because these two teams hated each other, especially after Palmanville was the guy that knocked them out of the playoffs the year before, but the Sens get the last laugh as uh, Alfie takes care of them in the conference finals later on in 2007. So that's just a rivalry that got out of control. And Lindy Ruff and Brian Murray were even going at it. Uh, Lindy Ruff going into the between the benches spot to give Brian Murray a piece of his mind. And of course, Brian Murray doesn't back down from that. So that's just one of those games where it just puts a smile on your face, just all the nostalgia. And Clark MacArthur playing for the Sabres too, actually. He got his first goal of the season uh, in that game. So that's another little uh, fun memory there. Uh, and also, if you remember, well, first of all, Brian Murray was telling Lindy Ruff, reminding him who got him his first job in the National Hockey League, which was obviously Brian Murray. You could do Murray that with almost any coach in the league. Brian Murray could uh, be like, I made you who you are. Yep, exactly. And the other fun part was that there was a rematch. Uh, I think it was a Thursday night in um, in Buffalo. And then the teams already had a game scheduled in Ottawa. And guess who wasn't in the lineup in Buffalo but was in Ottawa? Tell me. Brian McGratton. Oh, and he had, yeah. He had one job during that game. And I don't think I have to that let you know. That's line exactly what uh, what that role was and the Sens yeah so it was you mentioned February 22nd the shootout loss and then Ottawa wins 6-5 the uh, two nights later and it was right at the start of the second period great fight between Brian McGratton and Andrew Peters and there's a photo I, I'm sure you guys can find it online where there's a fan that has a sign right up at the glass as these two heavyweights are going at it, and it says the Sabres have little Peters. It was just perfect placement, great fight. Later in the game, Adam Mayer, who was, of course, a part of that five-on-five melee, Neil wanted a piece of him. Neil got the extra roughing, and both guys went at it toe-to-toe, Just a, and it lived up to the expectation. And then, ho-hum, Jason Spezza with a power play goal, four minutes left in the game to win 6 Five after Buffalo had three goals in the third period to kind of make it close. So great game. That one had plenty of penalty minutes as well as both teams kind of, you know, still had the emotion of the game before Chris Neal leading the way, obviously with the 11 penalty minutes. He's all right. Uh, let's get to some more and we'll start with one of the ones at the senators who rode in, which was awesome to have a few of them. Jim kite, um, Jason York, Ron Tugnut and Mark Mathot. Mathot answers. He goes, oof, good question. There's a bunch, but I'd have to go with the epic playoff game against Montreal at home, the line brawl game. Easily um, a top game in Sens history. Where would you start with that one? Well, that was just crazy because I don't remember kind of how it all boiled uh, down. That's that's the playoff one, right? That's what yep. we're talking about? Game yeah. three, 2013. And the craziest part being a 6-1 victory for the Senators. The series was tied 1-1 at that point. They split the games in Montreal, hotly contested games. You remember Eric Griba, the hit in game one that set the tone for the series. That was a suicide pass, not Griba's yeah. fault. Player 61, as Paul McLean made the media well aware of, Michel Therrien did not take well to that. I'm sure he hacked a few DeMauriers really stomping around in his apartment thinking about that one because they were going at it in the media. You'll remember Brandon Press calling Paul McLean a bug-eyed fat walrus and Nobody cares what he has to say. Well, the Senators started pulling away, and it was the 4-1 goal where it was an awesome three-on-one rush with Turris the trailer. It was Alfredson bringing the puck up, Carlson backside. Try the the tap in, and 
didn't go. And then the everyone's kind of in the crowd like, oh, they missed the opportunity. As that is just echoing around the uh, Scotiabank place at the time. And all of a sudden, Turris comes out from a terrible angle and pops one past Price. 4-1 the score. Off the next face-off, it's Ryan White, the two-hand slash off the legs of Zach Smith. You don't think the Sens were ready for, for that? Uh, you look at the guys, it wasn't like in Buffalo. They had the right guys on the ice. Matt Cassian in a playoff game for Ottawa. How about that? Getting out there with Neeler and Zach Smith up front and even the heavies on the back end. Jared Cowan, Jared who made the Cowan. biggest impact. And we mentioned Chris Phillips, who's been a part of all of these. Chris Phillips is out there taking on Jared Tenorti, a six foot six rookie at the time. And the big rig was just using the old man strength, kind of bear hugging him. And yeah. the fights kind of went one at a time, really. First, it was Jared Cowan. Like, literally, it was not quite the chair of Ragdoll on Brian McCabe, but that he threw Damn him close. That was that was the proudest moment Jared Cowan had as a senator by He's far, like, because finally. He was drafted because he was a big, hard defenseman, and he never showed any of that size. He just kind of never took advantage of it. And then finally, we got to see what he can do with that size as he pummeled White. That was just absolute domination. Yep, and then after that developed, it was Chris... Well, Chris Phillips is still kind of bear-hugging on Jared Tenorti. Um, it was Chris Neal going at it with Travis Moen, an old nemesis of the Sens. He was obviously on that crazy shutdown line in Anaheim with Rob Niedermeyer and Sammy Paulson that I th- I think kind of was the reason that series was only five games. They shut down uh, the cash line pretty pretty effectively, but uh, that's not a good game in sense. History, getting back to the game in, in Montreal, yeah, that wasn't even the best part after winning all five fights in the, in the scrap. Of course, Ryan White getting the, uh, the extra penalty for the initial slash that started it all, and what happens off? Of the face-off, ooh, ah, Silverberg. Puck comes to him, skate to stick to the back of the net. 5-1, I was at the game and never heard the arena louder than that. It was unbelievable. 6-1, the final. And that was also the game where Jean-Gabriel Pajot, a rookie, J.G. Pajot, gets a hat-trick in his 11th ever NHL game as a 20-year-old, losing a teeth on uh, a tooth on the first goal when P.K. Subban's stick went up and caught him. And... Maybe one of the best sellies in Sen's history on his third goal, where he just turns to the crowd, full one knee down, scoop of the ice, and just oh, yeah. enjoying the moment with the crowd. So those are a couple of good games. Thanks to Matt for uh, engaging with us and and sharing his thoughts. A couple of the the more veteran Sen's alumni, we'll say, um, had a different game in mind, and it was against one of your favorite players, Pillsy. It was when Dominic Hasek was at the height of his powers in the league, and. The Sens had to beat them to clinch the playoffs for the first time ever. So that was a cool moment that... Again, against uh, the Sabres. There's some real good moments against the Sabres. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, both Ron Tugnut and then Jason York chimed in and said... Uh, or no, sorry, Jason York said that first. Then Ron Tugnut says, wow, weird to uh, agree with Yorkie, but <laughs> he had to because uh, that was such a special moment. There's obviously that super cool picture as well of of uh, Ron Tugnut jumping into uh, kind of or Wade Redden's arms after they clinched the playoffs. Uh, so also, yeah, pretty cool for for that. Uh, Jim Kite chiming in, saying opening night ever, October eighth, nineteen ninety two, where the Sens beat the what would be Cup champions in uh, in their first ever game at the Civic Center. Another cool game that some people were answering uh, was during the Hamburglar run, twenty fifteen. 
at this point, the Hamburglar was 17-1-2, but they had lost the game before in overtime to Toronto, and they were six points back of a playoff spot with three games left, and they had to jump a couple teams, including Pittsburgh. The Penguins roll into Ottawa during uh, Easter weekend. I was able to be at the game flying back from Halifax that weekend anyways, and 10 seconds in, Sidney Crosby opens the scoring, and I look to my, my buddy Jared. I go, did I just jinx the Hamburglar? Sure enough, it's 2 nothing. Then it's 3 nothing. But as it was with that whole run, Pilsy, it seemed that no game was ever out of reach for the Senators. It was, it was a cheat code. It was the Andrew Hammond cheat code. It was the Hamburglar was on the prowl, and he, he was robbing guys left, right, and center. I mean, this was a guy who wasn't even really a good AHL goalie. Like, he was just kind of the Sens guy at that moment. They didn't have the the goaltending depth and prospect developing that they had these days. So for him to step in and just pull this out and lead them to the playoffs, honestly, I think this was one of the biggest like national hockey stories that happened in a long time because I had friends and family that didn't even care about hockey that were saying they're tuning into Sens games every night because this is a magical Cinderella run that Hammond uh, led them on. So yeah, that's that whole run. Definitely that game is the pinnacle of it, but that whole run was just crazy. They needed to win that game. If they get no points in that game, they don't make the playoffs. They don't have an opportunity on in game 82 where Mark Stone gets the steel snipe Sally, the Mark Stone story in game 82 that clinches the playoffs. And we're going to get to the Sens' best pure goal scorers in their history coming up in a little bit, but I'm having too much fun discussing these best games. So we're going to continue. And and in that game, I mentioned three, nothing in the first period, second period comes around. Well, they get on the board. They have at least a little bit of hope. And it was a shorty by Pajot and that kind of got the ball rolling. They start the third period. Mark stone scores from Clark MacArthur, but they still needed that, that third goal. And they were peppering, flurry in the third period i remember it was shots on goal in the third period of that game 18 to 3 for the Sens. so they made it 3-2 they're dominating on the shot clock and they pull the goalie who else but mike hoffman who may or may not be in one or both of our lists coming up gets the goal it was his 27th goal of the season assisted by mika zabanaja we had to get his name in the episode based on how filthy he's been playing and then it was in overtime. I mean, everyone knows the goal. It's Mark Stone getting it off a of steal, off his skate, into the back of the net past Flurry. Just pure elation in the building. And that goal, I think, really pushed the Sens to a place where they knew they were good. And that they, I think kind of the, the control came into theirs. They, they controlled their own destiny for maybe the first time during that Hamburglar run. It felt real with two games left and four points back in a situation where the Penguins were going the other way and they didn't end up making the playoffs that year. One of the rare years in Sidney Crosby's career when he's healthy that he doesn't make the playoffs. So that was another cool game, Pilsy. You have any others as as we can kind of scroll through and see what, what our followers were saying at Send Central? Well, I'm not going to go back uh, deep as uh, as you've been going with some of these games. I'm going to try to bring it back to... Uh, another magical run and I'm going to go for more of a like feel-good moment rather than like just like a great hockey moment. I know where you're going. Yeah, dude. Well, April 23rd, 2017, game six against the Boston Bruins and Clark MacArthur stings the bees 
wins the series. Hello, New York. That's what still one of my favorite uh, calls ever. And Clark MacArthur, man, that guy went through it all to get back to the playoffs. And he's just one of those guys who you know you can count on him. And he buried that uh, right in tight wins the series against the Boston Bruins, who were a tough team to beat. McAvoy was looking like a stud of a defenseman in his first, uh, really, NHL game. So that was an insane series. And for Clark MacArthur to get that, like, that was just the hockey gods had that ready and uh, waiting to go. I love that one. That one is, do you think the best game, well, clearly, if you're bringing it up, you think that's the best game from that playoff run? What would What would some of the other ones be? I think the one... Uh, that kind of goes without saying it was one of the answers we got a lot on on this question was the Pajot four-goal game. But how about game five in that series? After the Rangers won both oh. games in New York, 4-1 in both games, Sens never really had a chance in either. They come back to Ottawa, and New York scored two early, and then the Sens would score one. And then the Rangers would make it 3-1, 3-2, 4-2. It was the Turris OT game. Yep. Where, this, they where he just slipped kept, it through the legs. And is there going to be a more fortuitous goal than the one that tied it in that series? I think Broussard got credit, but it was just like, throw it a at minute the net. 26 left, yeah. Throw it at the net and see what's going to happen. And sure enough, the hockey gods were clearly on the send side in that one. And Burroughs, I think it was his only point in the playoffs that year. But uh, he, he ended up making good play in the neutral zone and tourists did, did the rest. And, and that's where I really miss the days of Kyle Turris in his prime because, n- like, other than, well, there's guys, uh, you know, like Austin Matthews, Phil Kessel, guys that if they're trailing down the wing with no support, no help, maybe defensemen kind of hanging on their back trying to stop them, they have such an eye for those holes in the goalie's um, stance that they can get any wrist shot through a goalie from, like, almost the hash marks just with a good, quick shot. And Kyle Turris was that guy. I think... He actually ended up getting the rebound on that one. He kind of had a had a shot that went low. Lungfist got the rebound, and then he uh, he kind of fanned on the shot too. I think, which is why the second shot went in, or it was blocked or something. But he stuck with that puck and uh, got the overtime goal there. So that was that was incredible. But if uh, going back to that Boston series, one of the greatest moments in sense history. This is purely uh, a great moment for hockey skill. And that's got to be the Hoffman breakaway goal where Carl flips it up to him right on the blue line and he hits it in stride and then pulls that move off on a breakaway in the playoffs. Like, I don't, I, that might be skill wise the greatest play the Ottawa Senators have ever uh, had. That was the first goal in Boston that series. So they split the games in Ottawa. Imagine going to that game in Boston and being like, yo, yeah. we're going to destroy these guys. And then you see them do that six minutes into the game. Like, what? Holy. Is, did I get tickets to Harlem Globetrotters here? Shout out to all the overtime goals that playoffs because there were yeah. plenty of them. The Pajot fourth goal, uh, the Bobby Ryan Bobby. back door. Yeah. And not only that one from Bobby, that was in the Boston series. I want to say game three. I want to say it's the same game that Carlson and Hoffman combined it on. Combined, compounded. Yeah. That was game combined. three. Uh, yeah, that was the Bobby Ryan one. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Where um, Bobby makes the back pass to Turris on the two-on-one. You're like, what are you doing? You're like right at the net. And Turris goes back door again for the tap-in. That was actually ridiculous. And then Bobby Ryan getting the Sens their first conference final victory in game one against Pittsburgh by turning on the Jets. Something we didn't see often uh, at a Ryan with the heavy legs. But when he got a, an inside step on Ole Mata, you just knew he was going shelf, and he did. 
Um, I think we, with all that, like that's great. Maybe we can make this more of a thing where we go back and find some old games because another one I'll just kind of tease a little bit is speaking of Sen Sabres. Wow, what kind of a, a theme throughout these best games in Sen's history. But um, the game against Buffalo is just a regular season game. The Sens won 10 to 4. 10 to 4 over the was Buffalo that in late Sabres. October? It was in early November, November 2nd okay, yeah. of 2000. This was right after they just beat the Leafs, I think, like 8 2 on Halloween, right before. So, yeah. So, this, this was the 11th game of the season. And Danny Heatley, by the end of it, had scored his 10th goal in 11 games to start the season. Alfie had his 11th goal in 11 games to start the season. And Martin Havlat had his fifth goal. And why did I mention Havlat if he only had five in 11 games? What a slacker. Well, in that game, Daniel Alfredson had a third-period hat-trick and had four goals. He actually scored four consecutive Sens goals with just one uh, Buffalo goal in between there. And Martin Havlat also scored four goals. And Danny Heatley had the other two. So three players scored for the Sens as they scored 10 goals in the game. And stick taps to Brian, uh, Brian McGratton, who fought twice in that game. So there was absolutely some animosity leading up to the 07 line brawl Peters and McGratton went three minutes into the game, probably their first shift. And then uh, Brian McGratton then fought Paul Gostad as well. So in six minutes and 16 seconds, McGratton had 12 pims and two fights. That's insane. Well, well, Ross uh, talking about scoring 10 goals in a game. I think that leads us uh, nicely into our uh, little list here. We're going to take a look at the, in our opinion, the top five, Greatest pure goal scorers in Ottawa Senators history. Uh, our lists are pretty close, but there's a couple that uh, that change, and we're going to go through them. Uh, we'll go through them here. And we should mention this is the best pure goal scorers when they played for the Senators. Yes, so we know that Kovalev is absolutely nasty. He's probably the one guy, though, where I, I don't think there's too many others that came Gabrick. through Ottawa. Oh, uh, Peter Bondra. Yeah, Peter Bonder. Gabrick is a big one, though. Like, sure, he is in the back end of his career, but when he was lighting it up uh, in Minnesota and L.A., he was one of the best players in the league. How about, uh, shout out Slovakia, both those guys, and one of the guys on our list who will keep until it's his turn. Are we going to go five to one? No, one to five. Okay, well, unanimously, number one, Danny Heatley. This guy was born to score goals. If you want to know uh, the essence of Danny Heatley and how bad he wanted goals, I think it was when he's playing for the Sharks. There's that epic Minnesota. screen grab. Okay, I Minnesota. To, I sent it to Wes this morning. Yeah, it's him calling for a clapper in the corner when there's two defensemen on him and the guy with the puck is standing like a foot away from him. He wanted a quick clapper from the corner. Like, this guy, he he was born to score goals and... Man, 15-07, who could forget? And 15-06. He scored 100 goals in two seasons. Yeah, let that sink in. 100 goals in two seasons. He played four years for the Ottawa Senators after coming over in the second biggest blockbuster trade in team history after the Yashin for Chera and Spezza. Maybe even bigger at the time because Host was an RFA and signed a contract. And then all of a sudden, he's gone. So that was crazy in itself. But 180 goals in 317 games for the Senators. And then he added 10 more goals in 34 playoff games wearing the Centurion. Man, this guy 
there's a video and we tweeted it out. I did actually from my personal account at Ross Levitan, but we retweeted it from the locked on account and it's all 50 of his goals from 06, 07. And I don't think the puck is on his stick for a combined minute. This guy was just catch and shoot, eh, Pilsy? It's insane. And that, but that's that was the essence of his game, right? He's not he's not gonna dangle you or do anything. It's and a lot of goal scorers and even to more credit, goalies say the best thing about uh some of the top goal scorers, Brett Hull, Austin Matthews, uh guys that have just put up goals at an alarming pace is the release. That's what it's about. It's not how hard you can shoot it, how accurate you shoot it. It's about how quick you get it off. And Danny Heatley, he was a legend at that. That's for sure. I mentioned he had 100 goals in a two-year span. So at Sand Central, we put out on Twitter a little trivia because there was an obvious chemistry between Danny Heatley and Jason Spezza. The thir- the right winger rotated sometimes. Obviously, Danny Offertson played a lot of that. Chris Kelly did a little bit as well, as did Mike Comrie. But the two of Danny Heatley and Jason Spezza were attached at the hip on the power play and at even strength. So we wanted to ask you guys, out of Danny Heatley's 100 regular season goals between 2005 and 2007, how many of them were assisted by Jason Spezza? Well, he had a couple of guesses, and the guesses are actually really high. Like, what would your guess be? And then I'll read what some of the listeners have. Well, I don't want to play spoiler, but I already know the answer. But my original guess was... I shouldn't have told you. Yeah, you shouldn't have. Was over 50. There's no, like, he had to have assisted uh, at least half of them. So that's, I'll say that's my guess. Yeah, Mike D said 73. Patrick Foran guessed 78. Alicia Desmier, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, said 77. And Kyle Peterson had a nice round number of 69. But the correct answer is 57. So 57% of, of Heatley's goals. And an interesting wrinkle of that, because, of course, remember Spezza missed some time in 06 07 with, with injury. Heatley went 10 straight in 06 07 without having Spezza assist on a goal. Spezza also assisted in Heatley's first seven goals of that season. So thanks to Hockey Reference, I was able to add up the scoring logs. I just went to the scoring log, which includes all of it, and then put in the finder Spezza, so that highlighted it. And then just scroll down the goals and every time you see Heatley. So a little manual labor. So uh, not asking for credit, but feel free to give it to me if you'd like. Well, who is number two on your list there, Pilsy? You are the people's champ, Ross. We're just trying to make content during a really tough time. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, Heatley, both of us, obviously. Number two, I'm going to go with Hosa. Like, this is a guy who, uh, I mean he's related to Heatley. They were uh, in, in trades for each other that uh, caused Heatley to come over here. And Hosa went to uh, the epic Atlanta uh, Thrashers franchise. But this is a guy who consistently put the puck in the net and he was just, he just had such a smooth way about him. I don't know how to describe it. When, when he was in the zone, he was just like, he was like an assassin, you know, like just so silky. He had such a good shot. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, especially for how big he was. Like Marion Hosa, I would say, yeah, is my number two guy on pure goal scorers in the sense because he was just electric to watch. He is, as I teased earlier, the third Slovak there in that trio of just like all time greats. I'll say it um, of the game. So shout out to those guys. And for me, it's not going to be long before Marion Hosa shows up on my list. But I have to go with the most consistent goal scorer in Ottawa Senators history, and that's the captain, Daniel Alfredson. One, two, three, four, 
13 seasons of 20 or more goals. And the it culminated, obviously, in 05-06 when he had 43 goals in 77 games. But just a model of consistency, not only as a goal scorer, but people forget that he was... Before the trend of having four forwards on the power play, he was always lined up there with Wade Redden. Redden just feeding him bombs. And Alfie, just one of the hardest shots, maybe the most underrated shots in NHL. I think there's a great photo of him. I don't know if it was at the NHL All-Star Game or the uh, Sens uh, skills competition, but where he's doing the hardest shot and he's got the long flow and he's got it all pulled back. Maybe we'll tweet out the picture from uh, from the account. But Daniel Alfredson, legend and Sick goal score. Speaking of the Sabres rivalry, he was the guy that scored that OT winner uh, in the conference finals to send them to the cup in 07. So that guy knows how to score goals, that's for sure. So 51 goals in the postseason as a member of the Ottawa Senators. 100 points. Yeah, legendary. Um, so moving down the list, I'm going to bring it more current. And you could argue statistically that maybe he he might not be on here, but... When I think of goal scoring in the Ottawa Senators uniform, it's hard not to go to Mike Hoffman. He never got 30 goals with the Sens, but damn, was he close. 27 goals, 29, 26, and then 22. So, and and this is an age where lots of guys weren't scoring that many goals. I mean, you could win the Maurice Richard uh, trophy from 2014 to 2017 with right around 50 goals, right? Like, guys weren't hitting 60 as often. Maybe Stamkos did in that time. Maybe Ovechkin. Yeah. Uh, So if you can get close to 30, you were one of the better goal scorers in the league. And we're talking about shots and release. This guy had one hell of a release. The snapshot on Mike Hoffman was insane. Well, how about he scored one of the biggest goals in Sens history in Game 6 at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins to force that Game 7 in the conference finals. Uh, barring in, always had a lethal shot. Yeah, obviously, sometimes it's not up to the player. He was a bit streaky, but what goal scorers aren't. Um, the thing that has in Hoffman's favor is that Guy Boucher always had him on a third line. It was He was not always put in the five-on-five situations where he could let it fly. And I think that definitely affected Like, even earlier in his career, he, he started on the fourth line. you got to think, like, if he was out there with Spezza, he had the pure talent. He was a bit of a late bloomer, not making it to the NHL full-time until he was 24. But you could argue he was never really given a, a centerman that had had the offensive ability to get him the the prime chances. I mentioned how Heatley was on his stick, off his stick. Well, that's because of great setups from guys like, like Alfie and Spezza. So... Um, yeah, I often he'll be later on in my list for me. Uh, number three, Marion Hosa. We already talked about him. So number four is Alexi Yashin. And maybe some people have, have a bad taste in their mouths when they think of Alexi Yashin, but he's gotten as close to an MVP in the NHL as anyone who's ever worn the Ottawa Senators Jersey. He was second in voting in 99, 2000, and he has the second best goal scoring season in Sens history after Danny Heatley put up 50. Twice, but Alexi Ashen with 44 goals in a season, and this was just a big body. Like in the late 90s, you needed that big body centerman who who had hands and, and could shoot the puck, and that was Yashin. I mean, there's a reason why uh, the Islanders ponied up and gave him not only traded for him, but gave him a, an, an exorbitant contract. Um, 
he was a star. He, he was a, a star in the National Hockey League, and I uh, got to give it to him as a pure goal scorer as well. But when you're able to go 44 and then come back the next season with 40, that's uh, that's pretty pretty good hockey and, and being able to put the puck in the back of the net. Yeah, I didn't have Yashin on my list more uh, just out of uh, bitterness, I guess. So that's fair that you started uh, with uh, saying that he leaves a bad taste in most Sens fans' mouths. But you make a good point. There's a reason why he was traded for such a haul and that he got an amazing contract from the Islanders other than their uh, their inability to... Yeah, they've not, got a bit of a history. Yeah, to not give out uh, massive contracts, but that's uh, that's a whole other story for another time. So, and with I'll move on to my number five guy. Your number five is Hoffman, right? Yeah. So my number five, another recent guy, and there's... One main reason why I chose this guy, and it was his celebrations, because nobody, maybe Ovechkin but or Maurice Richard himself, but nobody other than those two guys enjoys scoring goals more than Mark Stone. The yep, Sellies, and he scored some big ones. Yep, he scored some amazing goals. The Selly, after this guy gets a goal, or even after one of his teammates gets a goal, he is just so filled with joy and enthusiasm. He can't even control his face he just makes crazy <laughs> facial expressions and the classic just fists in the air just pumping like crazy so for that mark stone's my guy especially and in his last year as a send he was incredible 28 goals 34 assists in 59 games on a rebuilding playing two, squad playing with two rookies pretty yeah. much in white and kachuk um, so the, yeah, the, the, like Definitely, he's better known for his takeaway ability, his like strong play with and uh, without the puck. But he was a damn good goal scorer as well. Yeah, I'm I'm still convinced that if he plays in that playoffs at, at his best in 2017, there had to be a nagging injury there. He just didn't like didn't have that that Mark Stone like it factor. Um, but still a stud, tenth in sense history in goals per game, and that's including when he was younger, when he was really just focused on the defensive side of the puck and, and turning pucks over kind of crazy. When I look at goals per game that his teammate at the time, Matthew Shane is fourth in Sens history in goals per game behind Danny Heatley, Alexi Yashin and number two on the list. Can somebody tweet at us at Sens central? Who is Bob Kadelski? Because we need to know that. So hopefully you can find us on Twitter and let us know because he had 47 goals in 90 games as an Ottawa Senator in their first two seasons. Not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. And not bad. Hopefully we didn't do too bad of a job. Our first of likely many Locked On Senators podcasts without NHL hockey to follow. So expect more of the same kind of content. Hopefully get some interviews. We're going to reach out and try to line those up because the show must go on and Well, we got to do what we got to do until NHL hockey is back. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.